With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. Yakuza. Yakuza. Yakuza Kick Radio. 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 This is the Bulldozer, Matt Tremont. And if there's one place to listen to on the internet every Thursday, 9 p.m., Yakuza Kick Radio. Tremont says so. Who wants some? God help us, Jesus! God and baby, Jesus! Help us. Ladies and gentlemen of fucking America, this is Danny Havoc, and you have been listening to, or possibly are intending to listen to, the Yakuza Kick fucking radio. Fucking, yeah, Yakuza Kick radio. Hell fucking yeah! My name is Justice Payne, and you are listening to Yakuza Kick radio. You're coming to come on Thursday night. This is a brotherhood, and we all stick together. Like my nuts. I ain't scared of you, motherfucker. Yakuza Kick Radio, the best in internet wrestling radio, period, bar none, just like Adam Cole. Everybody's a cunt but me in the world. I don't know what it is. But you go to the back, and you tell your boss that there's a new Yakuza in town. And it's Yakuza Kick Radio, and we're taking over. Yakuza Kick Radio has risen from the ashes of bad internet radio and become the premier place for any independent professional wrestler to stop and record their voice. Well, this is Mr. Insanity Toby Klein, and if you're not listening to Yakuza Kick Radio, then you're weird. Oh, I don't like the cut of your jib, fella. This is Greg Excellent, bearded dragon of the Northeast. You're listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. If you're not, you're probably watching porn. You have this muted. You should be listening to it. Jason Man. Where are Biggie and Tupac? Yakuza Kick Radio. Give a nigga rope on that cowboy, guys. All you have to do is listen to Yakuza Kick Radio, but you couldn't. Now look at that guy. You only fuck that. Black me. Bullshit, man. Motherfucker. Fuck you. Fuck you and fuck you. Who's next? And now, ladies and gentlemen, for the introduction. Hosted by J. Cat Morris. You are now listening to Yakuza Kick Radio. What's going on? It's Yakuza Kick Radio. It's been a minute, so I figure I'll pop in here. I got a lot of different shit that I don't even know where to start. I guess I'm just going to start talking about random shit and then just roll from there. I got a whole list of things. But, uh, yeah, it's been a minute. You know, this whole fucking chemo treatment and uh, the, the mental struggles of, you know, hitting an absolute brick wall after doing 21 years of six days a week work about something that you're really passionate about and and just the, um, you know, the brick wall of hitting that and then watching your passion just be kind of um, pulled apart, you know. Um, you know, it, it's rough, man. Like, there's days that 
shit don't get done, you know what I mean? And then, like, it snap back into it, kind of focus in on the, on the, the house and all the things, and just crush shit around here. I, I've done so much, you know, renovation and cleaning and, and deep cleaning stuff that, like, you can't do when you work six days a week, you know? You just can't hit the angles and, and explore these different projects in the house that are so beneficial to day-to-day life, but you can't get that shit going if you don't have the time. So I've really hit like another level of doing shit here. But yeah, it like mentally it's, it's all over the place. Uh, some days the medication is just like, just not great for focus. You know, you just kind of get locked into just not doing shit or, um, you know, you have a hard time getting like fucking wheels turning. So a lot of things get procrastinated on. Um, this is definitely one of them. Cause as I told you before, I enjoy doing this, but, you got to understand, like, wrestling is, like, I, I watch wrestling as, like, um, kind of from an outsider's perspective where it's it's mostly comedy to me now. Like, the bullshit that goes on in these horribly led lives of, of independent wrestlers, especially deathmatch wrestlers, to me it's just become completely comical because it's it's crazy as shit. I mean... To think that adults will do this shit into their 40s and 50s is is really bizarre to me. It's a terrible fucking career option. But, um, you know, I mean, to each their own. But a lot of this shit is just funny. So, you know, when I do this, I do this very casually. And, um, you know, even, like, the comments that I put online and stuff, a lot of stuff that I get, I get, I guess, portrayed as just, like, a bad guy or a fucking asshole or this or that. It's all based on me just thinking very bluntly about shit that I really don't even care about that much. So it's like, I don't know. I just don't see that as my identifying trait. So I try to fit this in where I can, but it's really a very small sliver of who I actually am. I mean, you see so much more of that on my, you know, on my YouTube where I can show you what I actually do here. Um, but, you know. Um, we'll talk more about the YouTube later. Uh, let's get into some random shit. Uh, so speaking of silly shit that makes me laugh, how could this not? Like, you can't tell me that these are seriously run businesses that I should have more respect for. There's no fucking way that that's, that's the road we're going here. You can find a lot of people like that. There's a lot of little dirty fucking mouth breathing motherfuckers that will show up to your shows every month. Those are the people you could sell that bullshit to. I'm not the one. But again, I'm not putting money in your pocket. It matters none what I think. So anyway, um, Ultraviolet Underground, that was a hell of an adventure, huh? Well, about a month ago, uh, I don't even remember where I left off at this thing. It was crazy, and I remember I did my best to try to outline the crazy turns and twists it was taking from being a CZW project to not a CZW project to Zandig's got people, but don't tell them who the people are. And I think Pancoast and then um, all sorts of different things where Shannon wasn't involved, but the, the link was still on the website. And then the kid who did the signings with Zandig was then involved or maybe was always involved. Who fucking knows? Um, their talent roster was Insane Lane and uh, uh, Caleb Butcher. I don't even know what that is. Um, it just, and then all of a sudden they were steering this Zandig Schlack angle into 
this ultraviolet underground is almost the main attraction. And that's strange because, you know, Schlack has been exclusive to XPW. So it put a lot of like, well, what ifs and they had mystery partner stuff going on in XPW. So it was like, well, what are they about to do here? The answer is nothing. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so then they switched where it wasn't CZW anymore. So you're like, okay, now that we've cleared that up. And then they like, he, you could tell he was like starting to get irritated, but one day, um, and mind you, he blocked me because, you know, I made a comment about the fries and he wasn't playing along with his own storyline to even understand that I was playing along with the fucking storyline. So this is the type of mentality we're dealing with. We're not, we're not dealing with someone who could even keep up with the own, their own fucking story. Um, so one day he just loses his mind. Sorry, sure, people send me screenshots of things he says because I can no longer see them, you know, on my own. And they know I'll laugh. So um, so I get one sent that says, I am not, and th- those three words are in quotes. Why? I don't know. Booking matches for UVU, and UVU is in quotes. Until it gets fucked up and fucked is like edited because you know John Zandig's not one to curse so uh, he's got a bunch of asterisks there fucked up like everything else I will be kicking Schlack's ass in December now this was wrote written I believe February 13th um wow um so first off as far as everyone knew Ultraviolet Underground was happening and was supposed to launch as their first show going on in March. There was a lot of trading hands of who's the owner, who's doing this, who's doing that, what what are we even doing here? Like, all of it was very sketchy and unclear, but hadn't put anything out saying that, like, oh, we're, we're wrapping this up. We're not <laughs> – we're actually not doing this. So he puts out this one post that's, like – insanely vague like I'm not booking unless it gets fucked up like everything else but there's no period there so he's saying like unless it gets fucked up like everything else I'll be kicking Slack's ass in December meaning like that's the plan for them to square off in December but it's kind of not mentioning UVU happening in March at all so this is what you get and then, like, I see one comment that's like, uh, wait, so you're not involved now either? So, <laughs> like, this is what the fans are getting. And then <laughs> Valentine's Day, he lit up again. He started the day off saying, happy Valentine's Day to professional wrestling with hearts everywhere. Like, this is a fucking weird version of John Zandig. I'm, I'm really sticking to I'm a John Zandig guy meaning that era of CZW when he was the fucking guy and he was throwing Lobo off of shit and fucking tendon hanging out of his arm, fucking cutting promos, burying fucking wrestlers that didn't show up and fucking other promoters and just like that John Zandig. But this John Corson Trumper guy is a fucking nut and like, this is so he's he's super in love with professional wrestling on Valentine's Day. And then he goes, 
Promoter or Booker's best friend card subject to change with laughing emojis behind it. Again, like, the fans are supposed to figure these fucking riddles out and sign up for where he's selling. So his response to the, wait, so you're not involved now either comment was then, I am involved. I am not booking these matches. Most of the talent was booked by someone else before I got on board. These matches are being put together by someone else. Is good, bad, or otherwise? I expect no credit, nor do I want to hear any, I think, bullshit, because that's edited as well with the asterisk, uh, no cursing. Um, Or hate messages on your DM, on my DM. Direct your concerns or complaint ultraviolentundergroundwrestling.com Thank you, John Z. So, yeah, like, I don't really know what the fuck. Um, And then another guy posted, uh, this this Joe Callis guy, I'm pretty sure uh, he's one of the people who, um, yeah, one of the the MDKers that they're dead set against me, and I'm perfectly comfortable with that. Um, they posted the Ultraviolet Underground like picture with a bunch of skulls and blood drops, and they were super excited, right? And I guess the administrator of whatever page this was sent to me from, and he's like trying to promote the shit. John Zandig. This is after just saying I am involved, but I'm just not booking, so if it gets fucked up, don't blame me, my fucking problem, but yo, listen, so, (laughs) they post the fucking thing, Ultraviolet Underground, Awaken the Mind, John Zandig comments, first and only comment, crickets, he writes, (laughs) so now, like, wait a minute, like, all, all of a sudden, he turns into me, and he's like, yo, ain't nobody watching that shit. Like, weren't you the guy that... So, um, then they they still had this embrace the violence, you know, uh, concept reborn, blah, 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 325. That was going to be the date of the starting. And, yeah, um, soon after, let me find it. I had the... These, because it's been so long since I've done the show... Uh, so then, <laughs> let me see. So then he posts a picture of like his plumbing, and says like, "You always have a backup plan, kids, because not all the shit works out." And like he's he's on some like, this ain't gonna be uh your long term plan. Right after like he was trying to sell a dream, you know this this wasn't that long after. I don't know where my screenshot of that was I don't know um I can't find them offhand but anyway there was some long drawn out post about how ultraviolet underground is uh closing shop and it's not a thing anymore and uh going back to the archives where it belongs and things just didn't work out despite their best hopes and uh a lot of this, like, there was, like, a whole, like, uh, you know, like, a presentation and shit. It's, like, reasons are as follows. 
A, you know, uh, disorganization. B, lack of communication. And, you know, I mean, like, shit like this. And it's just like, I mean, as soon as they came out and they're like, we're launching a new thing and it's going to be four shows. It's going to cost you $400, $100 a show, but you're going to pay for the season all at once, $400, and you're going to show up and we'll tell you where it is later and Insane Lane will be there. And I'm like, I'm waiting for the part where you're j- joking about this whole fucking thing because who the fuck is paying $400 for this roster you're putting together? You're not putting together the top deathmatch talent. And for you to be telling me that, is doing the same thing that DJ Hyde has done his entire career as a promoter, is lie to the fans and, and try to sell them shit and tell them that, like, this is what you actually want. I know you just told me you really wanted to see this guy or that guy. I'm telling you that, like, this is what's really going on. And the fans are like, well, that fucking sucks. And then when GCW showed up and they're like, oh, you want that? We'll bring you that. And they're like, all right, DJ, you can go fuck yourself, and they moved over there. And it was, it was the easiest transition ever, because all you had to do is deliver what they were screaming that they want, that you just were like, no, because I want to be friends with the WXW guys, and they're going to book me if I book them, so I'm bringing in fucking, uh, what the fuck was that guy's name? Trent Seven. I'm bringing Trent Seven in the fuck out of here. No one gave a fuck about that. You know, even if a couple people did, not enough. It wasn't, you know, these type of things had a lot more investment in them than bringing a guy across the country that someone wanted to see. It just, the deals weren't being made for the better of the company. They would be made for the better of DJ's quote-unquote career or whatever you want to call what that is. You know, and they could say it ain't CZW, this and that. Like, they didn't know how to not make the link come from the CZW website, despite how much they screamed it wasn't about CZW. And then um, she, uh, Shannon was like, yeah, hit up uh, Chris Berenger. He's the guy now. Like, if you don't contact me about it, contact him. So I contacted him because I've talked to him before, and I was like, hey, man, like, you know, what's going on with this? He's like, I have no idea. And this is before all the crazy Zandig, like, jumping off the off the train. Um, and he was just like, I'm trying to help out and stuff, but, like, I don't, like, I don't know that I'm 100%, like, the, the PR guy or, like, the guy for this, but, I mean, I'm, I'm up to help, so I guess that more or less he found out when she posted that, <laughs> you know? Like, he wasn't given an official role or anything until, like, that stuff started hitting. And then again, like, it was it was fucking chaos from the start. Nothing about it screams success unless you're a mouth-breathing idiot. And and then you're like, oh, my God, it's going to be great. And I, I don't know how to think that way because, I don't know, I'm an adult. Like, I have children to take care of. I have animals to take care of. And I think if I worked on the intelligence level that some of those guys work on, everything around me would die. That's how I feel because I don't think I'd have the responsibility – I I don't think I have the capability to take care of all these things with the brain power to think that that entire project is awesome. Like, I don't, I don't think those, one of these things is not like the other, you know what I mean? Like they tell you in Sesame street. Um, 
so yeah, um, that that whole fucking thing is insane, and it ended the way I thought it would. Only I, I mean, I thought they would have ran a horrible show and took a bath on it, but they didn't. Um, Necro works at Wendy's. That's cool. Um, I mean, I don't know, man. If this isn't an example of what the fuck I'm saying, you know, the Deathmatch fans haven't seemingly held it against them too much that he beats women, so he gets to keep doing that. Okay, so if he's still the almighty Necro Butcher, which I don't give a fuck what anybody says because of the wrestler and because of everything that went on in the area of, or the space of time that he popped at, he's still one of the best, greatest deathmatch wrestlers of all time. Absolutely. The the era where the tough, crazy bastards were doing their thing, he was winning tournament of deaths, he was winning king of the deaths, he was, he was taking these gruesome fucking injuries and just coming back like a week later. Like, he was just unstoppable. Fucking barefoot. Like, you know, he was like an absolute deathmatch warrior. Now, this whole version of shit is weird and creepy and fucking whatever, man. But, um, I mean, if if that's the fucking pinnacle and he's got to go work at Wendy's, get the fuck out. I mean, why why would anybody want to set themselves up for that life? You got one of these guys living in a fucking warehouse like a, like a squatter, and he's squatting in a warehouse and teaching kids. You know, other people are looking up to him while he lives in a warehouse with some form of substance problem going on around there. I don't know what's going on because I don't know him like that, but, yo, that situation's got something going on. Uh, you can tell by the looks on people's faces and uh, the condition they're in, for sure. Um, but, yeah, Wendy's, man. Wendy's is, uh, I see that as a bigger blow to Wendy's than I do to Necro. You know? I feel like Necro's brand could not be damaged any further. However, Wendy's takes a big, I mean, he's got, like, a custom apron and shit. I'm thinking he's management. You know what I mean? Like, he's put in fry hours. He's chosen fries. (laughs) He's, you know, fuck around and find out how crispy these fries are how dope these frosties are, you know, he's making square fucking burgers great again, you know, like Americans do, fucking, oh man, it's wild, um, this is, I mean, obviously, I'm just rolling through talking shit about things, but this is kind of what it's going to be, um, all right, we'll, we'll take another turn here, um, Jordan Oliver won the J Cup. I checked this out. Um, I've actually, to be honest, like, I've watched more wrestling recently than I have in a while because I have, you know, extra time on my hands. And, you know, if I find avenues that I like, I'll check it out from time to time. Um, So uh, I watched, well, skimmed. I skimmed. I can't watch shit like this anymore. I can't watch indie shows um, front to back. I can't. I can't stay focused on any of it. I I prefer to watch wrestling where I skim through and watch the the parts that I like, Um, which, you know, makes it less likely that I'm going to watch live shows unless 
I've skimmed through enough, seen enough things that I like that now this big live show is worth tuning into. You know what I mean? Like I watch WrestleMania because, oh, I skimmed through and watched the Sami Zayn parts for all this time. Now I want to see what happens at the big live show. You know, stuff like that, which I have been watching. I'll talk about that in a bit. But um, So um, I skimmed through the, the thing because it was a loaded fucking card. I mean... Let me first talk about Jordan Oliver, and I'll go back to talk about the tournament. Um, Jordan Oliver has completely I, – I mean, I thought this kid was so trash. When he first came out, um, he was running around in those fucking prison jumpsuits. He looked like that the Piper Chapman chick from Orange is the New Black. Like, he just looked like – the corniest fucking white kid that was just trying to like, yo, I'm in a gang, bro. And it's like, oh, Jesus Christ. And, you know, I, I just like, he rubbed me the wrong way. His fucking moves were sloppy. He was all over the fucking place. And then like arrogant on top of it. And it was just like, uh, I just, he fucking bothered me. Just, just seeing him bothered me. But he just kept doing his fucking thing because, again, like I tell everybody, uh, who the fuck am I? Like, if you want to pay attention to me and improve yourself off of what I said, that's cool. I, I don't – but otherwise, like, I, I don't see why what I'm saying should bother you because who the fuck am I? I'm a guy who barely watches wrestling. So you can go like, hey, I want to hear something a little different than the yes, man. What is this guy saying? What What is his problem with me? Why isn't he like it, you know? And I don't think he listened to me a day in his life, so I'm not saying by any stretch that this is my doing. Please don't mistake me ever saying that because I don't think I have that influence. But I'm saying, um, you know, as far as, like, the way that I felt about him, that's, that's how I honestly felt about him. But I've caught some matches since then, and I was like, wow, I think he's getting good. You know, I, I saw him wrestle a couple, um, I think, Dickinson, Dickinson way back. Um and a couple of guys where I was like, wow, like, he he showed up. He took fucking abuse. He He's landing his moves now. He's showing some charisma. He does really, really uh, well-done tribute moves and mannerisms and all that to Trent Acid, as well as others. Like, if you look at his, his trunks, he's got uh, Jimmy Rave and, and Trent Acid. And uh, I don't remember who else he has on his trunks. Somebody else, too. You know, like, you could see where he's showing respect to the past. Like, the indie guys that came before him, he's tributing them in moves and and making sure he's hitting them good so he's not, like, shitting on these guys. You know, he's hitting the Yakuza nice, all that shit. It's called the acid kick. Um, I like a lot of the things that he's doing. And... I tell you, like, he's just fully become a star. He's become a guy. Now I'm interested in seeing what he's doing. Now when I see a card and he's on it, I'm not like, well, this fucking guy again. I'm like, oh, shit, what's he going to do? And they they put him over in this tournament. He won this tournament. And, you know, you want to see a good highlight table what this guy could do, go check this shit out. This guy grinded from being fucking terrible as far as I'm concerned. To very very good, and I think he'll be on TV. I really do. I, I think he's he's got a, a wide enough skill set that he'll get himself on TV. Um, so good for him, man. Congrats. And um, about this J Cup, I I'm gonna go out on a limb and say that Lauderdale has the ability 
and booking knowledge and, you know, just history knowledge of what indies are and have been and all this to make the J-Cup the new best of the best. That's the vibe I got off of this one. I know CZW says they're bringing best of the best back. CZW is not CZW anymore. Let's fucking cut it out. If if you want to ride that fucking train and pretend and, and all of that, it doesn't look anything like it. It's not the same thing, and you're not going to load it with the top talent of the indies. You're, you're not going to do that. That's what That's what they used to do. You know, um, DJ started doing some other shit and then was like, oh, no, we we built talent with Best of the Best. That's what we've always done. And when he put that uh, Kurt Robinson kid in there and I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. And, um, you know, and again, like, you know, people are friends with him and all this and he's good. And I guess he trains or coaches or some shit now, but. You know, this is the guy that DJ told me I'm fucking, you know, I don't know what I'm talking about. This guy's going to be in the WWE in a few years, and then we won't be able to put him in best of the best. And it's like, well, clearly the biggest fucking name I've ever heard of right now is fucking uh, Kurt Robinson and shit. It's like, again, he could be a good kid. He could be a great guy. He could be fucking hardworking. He have a lot of heart and this and that. But you don't know how to fucking eye talent. DJ Hyde doesn't fucking know how to eye talent. Ian Rod knows how to eye talent. You know? And we're not, you know, we're not talking about, like, character or person or what they're worth or this and that. Like, you know, but give credit where credit's due. When Ian Rotten has seen young talent, he fucking knew how to how to find that shit. DJ, I mean, he he had a fucking huge platform in CZW, so just just being there by proxy, he was just going to have talent come through there, whether he wasn't going to be curating talent, he was just in a spot where it was going to show up, so I don't give him credit for shit, because I think it would have been there whether it was him or anybody else standing in the position he was in, CZW was already a platform established before he got there. So, um, but yeah, um, I think he could take this and turn this into the new best of the best. You know, PWG's always done big with the Battle of Los Angeles, but that thing is really still, I still think PWG's distribution is garbage. Like, you, you see, like, XPW, I think they're a little crazy doing the, um, pay-per-view thing and the way that they're doing it and charging and... They want, you know, they want you to sign up for like a, like a subscription, but then also pay pay-per-view prices for their pay-per-views. Like, get the fuck out. No, no one's doing that. But anyway, you see you immediately have access to everything XPW does as soon as they show up. Because Rob, he's done all that shit, you know? I, and I'm not putting him or his product over. I'm just saying, like, in general, like, when you show up with a, prod, with a product... Like, it should immediately be accessible to fucking everybody. You shouldn't have to jump through hoops. It should be easy. You know, I think you should keep your paywall low, you know, and, and like, these avenues, the IWTVs, the, um, you know, the different networks where it's all inclusive, you know, or Fight. I think they're doing the thing right, Fight TV. Um, 
where they have GCW and shit. Like, that's the shit that, that works right now. And and people, like, a lot of these companies, they don't want to let go of that fucking pay-per-view fee. They're just, they're greedy. So they're just like, yo, I got to I gotta get that 50 on the, on, the, on the pay-per-view, though. And it's like, yeah, but no one's doing that anymore. So you're just not going to be counting the figures that everybody else is, you know? It's just what it is. I don't know how to run a wrestling business, and I would never because uh, just the the atmosphere and all of that shit and the nature of the beast as it is, uh, no thank you. Um, but nor do I have, like, lots of money to just lose for no reason. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I, I just think that they could definitely take over as that. Um, and, and as far as distribution, too, just to add another one, House of Glory, too. Garbage distribution. The motherfuckers are in New York. I gotta, like, remind my fucking self that they gotta show some fucking where. And then, they're, again, they're on some weirdo pay-per-view, this, that, but not on the, you know. Dude, just link up with fucking IWTV. What are you gonna fucking lose? Guarantee you're gaining hundreds of thousands of, of, of viewers based on the product. You got low-key there. You got red there. You got all these guys that, like, aren't really being seen too much in other places. It just I don't know. I don't know what they're making. I mean, maybe they're they have a formula and they're they're actual the funds they're making are good. I don't know, but I know it's it's not that accessible. Like, and just a quick uh, side note on 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 them too, because I watched skimmed the J Cup, but uh, I also. Um, checked out the Loki and um, Kenta. And and that was some bullshit. You know? First Loki, Kenta, rocked. This shit had its moments, but it was long, it was drawn out, and a fuck finish. Don't build up a fucking years and years of anticipation for a rematch and then do a fuck finish because the two of you can't fucking come together and figure out who's going to take a fucking loss. Like, I hate when this dumb ego shit happens because then, like, I don't even want to see your fucking next match. If you're going to have another one, hopefully it's soon. Otherwise, I don't give a fuck. Because if you let a bunch of time go by and then you're going to come back to it and then I remember, oh, you did a bunch of dumb interference shit and stopped the fucking match and, like, bro, fuck all that. You know, I understand, like, you know... From what I understand, you know, there's been years and years of people talking about Loki being unprofessional or hard to deal with and this and that. And so much of that, I understand. I understand Loki's perspective because I've seen so many people make themselves look like clowns. Every time you see them, it's like, oh, okay, this guy's in a fucking war. Two weeks later, oh, he's making out with a guy in a match. Oh, they did a spot where he half blew a guy. Like, oh, okay, well, there goes the fucking tough guy he built last weekend. He's probably still bruised from the fucking tough guy match last weekend, and he's doing some fucking, like, weird comedy gay spot the next week. And, you know, some people might call that versatile or something, but I really, I like the people that live the fucking gimmick to a certain extent. You know, I'm an adult. I'm fine with you checking out when you when you leave and you go home. Um, there's some that really, really invest in their brand. But, you know, you are our brand. And I don't think you can market to both fucking things. I, I don't. You know, I think you hurt your tough guy brand with something that goes directly against that. You know, that's just 
That's just the way I view it. Maybe that's old school or maybe that's just me. I, I don't know. I, I like this to be this and that to be that. And then I know when I sign up for this fucking, this match, I go to watch this match. I'm not going to be disappointed because these guys are doing what they do. I'm not going to go like, yo, turn on my Niners and shit and be like, oh, they're playing fucking volleyball today. Well, I guess, I guess, well, I am a Niner fan, so I guess I got to watch them play volleyball just to support everything they do. Like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, I showed up to watch a fucking fight and you're like, oh, no, no, they're doing silly shit today. Oh, silly. But, I mean, I, I don't fuck Fuck that shit. So, that's, that's where the shit, you know, it just gets me sometimes with that. Um, silly shit, like, Shane Mercer did a spot, GCW. He press slammed this no, no identity having character because I have not seen that this shit happened, I think, probably a couple of weeks ago. And I have not yet seen this kid's name mentioned that flew through the air hilariously while lit on fire. By the, by the way, the ref lit him on fire. Again, guys, you don't want to take it seriously. Don't get so upset when I don't either. I just do it different. But you don't give a fuck about it either. You know what I mean? So <coughs> this motherfucker picks him up. And he's got him up over his head, and I guess the guy was doused in fucking lighter fluid already. He fuck the ref lights him up because you know it's like impartial and whatnot. <laughs> and uh, he he lights him, and then he fucking tries to throw him across this fucking room, the, <laughs> out of the ring. And the fucking guy comes up short of the fucking table that's covered in light tubes. Because we needed that, too. Because, like, dude, if he flew across the room on fire and crashed through a table, which is insanely fucking dangerous, by the way, that wouldn't pop the crowd at all. You really, really needed a stack of light tubes on there. Because because you don't know anything about less is more. You don't know anything about getting the best mileage out of the fucking thing you're putting your body through. You're just fucking stupid. So you might as well put razors on top of the light tubes because, man, what if the light tubes aren't good enough? Man, we got to get them cut real bad as well as flying and burning. Like, I just... So anyway, he fucking flies across the room and fucking comes up short of the table. <laughs> like, barely clips the table. And there's, like, multiple angles. And the one that you get from, like, the table's view, when the table took the fucking selfie cam and, and, and saw this motherfucker coming in, table was like, yo, let me film this crazy motherfucker in the ring. Look at him. He's on fire. Oh, shit, he's coming over here. That motherfucker filmed that shit coming in. And you see them... He falls fucking short. I have laughed. I have laughed at that video, like, at minimal of fucking 20 times. Like, turning it on and just seeing him fall. And that shit is like, that shit is like that ridiculousness. You know what I mean? If you watch that silly ass shit, I don't know who none of those motherfuckers are. I'll never know who those motherfuckers are. I laughed at them, and I moved on with my life. And that's who the fuck you are. Lit on fire, thrown across the room, and I'm... I'll see you later, bro. And that's it. Don't tag me in your GoFundMe. It ain't happening. Um, speaking of GoFundMe's, um, Chrissy Rivera put up another GoFundMe as well as um, 
being inducted into a Hall of Fame no one cares about. Um, I, I just, I have a fucking issue with this type of stuff. I'm not going to go too crazy. You know, we've, we've talked about Chrissy in the past and everything else, and, you know, we used to be friends, and she just, she's on some bullshit as far as I'm concerned. I don't think she takes responsibility for a lot of the, the things that you, you need to take responsibility for. You know, when people, when people are able to go on yearly Disney trips and then also put up a GoFundMe for their dog within that same calendar year, I, I, I don't know, man. Like, I, I just... I, I don't view it as, as charity the way that, you know, this is one of those things that I look at as well and I start to go like, you know, I don't put up charity, but like, like I, I'm, now I'm very self-conscious of that type of shit, but I start to look at these scenarios and I go like, well, if someone could go to fucking Disney World and enjoy themselves and, and experience every single thing that they wanted to and then come back and we'll see you next year, Disney. And they do, and my day-to-day life, my six days a week, I fucking work, I get fucking cancer. That stops my 21-year streak of working fucking six days. And I'm not saying I didn't miss days of work. Of course, I miss days of work. But the same fucking job, my schedule was six days a week for 21 fucking years, and cancer stopped me from doing that shit. And I got my family, my wife works. And and I'm I'm home on disability with this shit, while all of the shit that I knew there just gets fucking just leveled. Like shit like that to me deserves more charity than someone that has the luxury to do the things that are being done. You know, and that's just me. That's just that. Like I just have to weigh my own situation against others that gain charitable donations when I'm just not, like, I'm not the guy to, to just put myself out there every minute. You know what I mean? But that's the shit that starts to get on my nerves because it's like, well, if these people are getting charity, why do I struggle? Like, why do I struggle if other motherfuckers who are able to do so much more luxurious shit and have so many less responsibilities in life why Why the fuck, why do I got to go through this shit, you know? So, like, that's the type of shit that gets on my nerves sometimes, you know? So, it is what it is. Um, there's a lot of Hall of Fames all over the place of companies that, you know, shouldn't have Hall of Fames, bro. Uh, it's just, it, it, it's just not necessary. And it's not just her. It's, it's uh, Robbie. Robbie got inducted into uh, Sean Henderson's Hall of Fame. What the fuck does Sean Henderson have a Hall of Fame for? What the fuck is that? Sean Henderson. I didn't even know he was a promoter. I just thought that was like an offshoot at H2O. Yeah, Tremont's apartment. Tremont's apartment had like a, a backyard or something, and that's where that was at or something. I, I just I didn't think that Hall of Fame would come out of that. Um, Speaking of some other bullshit, the new back seats. Um, Now look. This is some fuck shit because, for a lot of reasons. First off, all right, so let me explain what I'm even talking about. Because this is, it's half of this shit that goes on that I laugh at, I then would have to explain to any normal 
human being that just naturally wouldn't know that this stuff exists. So it's always kind of my reality check to, to, to remind myself, like, once I start having to go, like, further into the story and I'm like, yo, you wouldn't believe what this shit happened. And they're like, what is that? And you're like, all right, well, first off, and then, like, you get way deep into the story and you're like, that's how much this shit matters. Um, so the Graysons, which I guess are, are brothers, young tag team, uh, I guess from the Pennsylvania area, um, they work some shindies and whatever. Um, well, I guess at some point they, Johnny Cashmere, Johnny Cashmere rose from the ashes and he's now um, managing these guys and has, has deemed them the new backseat. And I believe that's 100% his doing because they're still calling themselves like the Graysons and then like in parentheses, like new backseats. Like, so like this whole angle and the way that he's pushing this shit to me is his grasp for attention. Um, I think it's garbage on a lot of levels, but let me explain to you the full thing that happened or, you know, what I saw, what led me to these extreme thoughts. But, so then, the the one kid he he friend requested me, and I left it alone for like probably a month. And then I was like, ah, eh, you know what? Let me just see what these kids are about. You know, maybe they're working real hard. Let me give them a shot. Just just watch them and just see what happens. Maybe they are the future. Who fucking knows? So I I accepted his friend request. I didn't see a lot of like matches or clips or anything really popping up, but I just kind of left it there. One day. I open my phone, and, and there's a promo video with them two and Johnny. And it's this whole new backseats thing, and a drive-off somewhere, and they show up at Trent's grave. Yeah. Um. So then they're, they're talking there, and Johnny does this whole gimmick like he's talking to Trent and Trent signing off on these kids being the new backseats. He's joking with him, calls them marks. He's just kidding. Tell him, don't tell him I like him. It'll ruin the angle and all this other fuck shit. When like really, this is about you, Johnny. Trent didn't sign off on a fucking thing. He's gone, and he's the reason why the backseats even have a fucking name to talk about right now. Because realistically. Johnny Cashmere could have been replaced by any um, list of fucking people, and the backseats actually would have been a better tag team. I'm not taking anything away from what Johnny did, although it sounds to do that, but I'm irritated because of the shit that he's doing now. But the thing is, is the backseats were great. He played his role, and it went very, very well. They had a great chemistry. Trent was the fucking star, obviously. But, I mean, you, you can't imagine. Just just go down this route with me for a second and just think about some of the, the, the names that existed and just think about, oh, I mean, I thought about what if, I mean, because when the backseats were created, it was through Donnie B. And Donnie B was running shows over in Tom's River right over by my house. That's how I actually got into the indies is, is going to those shows, seeing those guys do crazy ladder match shit. And then Johnny being like, yo, if you like this, you should go check out CZW. And that's how that shit led. 
but and that was like like 2000 um so um but at the same time as they were booking the backseat they were bringing daniels in and daniels still wasn't like full fallen angel he had little bits of that but like he was still like blonde hair like had the bleach blonde hair crew cut that was fading fast you know but you had that guy and imagine like with his already having experience click up with trent he takes the pretty boy angle he i mean christopher daniels had tremendous flamboyance on top of whatever angle he was playing so you imagine those two becoming the backseat boys and the fucking legacy that they would have fucking left after the same amount of years together uh, imagine a, a Davy Richards becoming the, the other Johnny and, and playing the pretty boy angle, but having the firepower to kicks and the other shit that he brings to the table. Like, I, I mean, the possibilities are endless. And again, we're just like fantasy book fucking playing around. Yeah, what ifs, what ifs. But I'm just saying, when it comes down to it in the grand scheme of things, Johnny Cashmere is not the fucking guy to pass the torch to fucking nobody. He was the fucking... He he was the neighbor, you know. He wasn't the fucking star. He wasn't the fucking. He wasn't the star of the show. I I don't think the other guy gets to. He gets to carry the torch. He gets to fucking carry the torch because it's still something he was involved in. He doesn't get to fucking bring in a new partner and this and that. Go do your own fucking thing. As soon as when Trent was gone, he was vanilla man candy. With fucking Matt Walsh. That worked out. You know what I mean? All these fucking years later, now we're supposed to remember. I mean, look. Again, you're going to have to explain who the backseats were to begin with before you even get to why these kids are called the new backseats. Because this is a brand new generation. Why would you even do this? Find out that the better one is gone. When they finally deep dive, if they do. And by the way, they're on the shindies right now, still. No-name bullshit companies. And the next promo I saw out of them before I had to get them off my Facebook because I'm not going to keep looking at these fucking promos. Cashmere's there in the ring with him. And he's going, you guys don't understand. You're in the new backseats. You've already proved everything. You don't have to prove every anything. You've accomplished so much. And you've, you've, you've proved everything to everybody now it's just time to show off because you guys are so good and so accomplished. And I'm just like, I'm learning who the fuck they are right now. What are you talking about accomplished and proved? And they're still in a fucking no-name company. You know what I mean? So I'm just like, fuck this guy. This guy is just like, it's cornball shit to me. Because you don't need the fucking, you could still manage teams. And you're still Johnny Cashmere from the Backseat Boys. That doesn't make the next team you fucking manage the Backseat Boys. That doesn't need to be that for you to do that. They can still use Backseat Boys tactics. Oh, I know where they got that from. You know what I mean? Instead of trying to be like, we're the new ones. And and then what? What if they do really fucking well? And become the guys that you talk about now when you say backseat boys. And then your your guy loses even more of his fucking notoriety. He's gone. So instead of people watching his matches now, oh, the new backseat boys are. I know about them. I don't know about the other guys. I think they were all right, but I mean their old videos are kind of grainy and like I don't know, man. Like I think my cousin had like a 
like a, a, a download of that shit, but like, yeah, I don't know, man. They they were in like CZW, but like not like what it is now, but like back then. But then like they left and they had to do their own thing, and that didn't work. But then like they came, and then Trent had problems. But but the like, new backseats are wrestling next weekend, and like you know what I mean? Like I don't think it helps. I don't. I just don't think it helps at all. It doesn't keep anybody's name alive. It gives the, it gives somebody a shot to overshadow them, which is not going to be easy to do. You know, I, I'm not saying, oh, well, clearly this kid will be the next Trent, and then who gives a fuck about Trent? I'm just saying, like, you're putting another hat, uh, name in the hat for no reason. The hat was done. You know, the name, the names have been drawn. It, the contest is over. Um, so that was some bullshit. Um, I, I kind of just like, I don't like noticed. I didn't see, but I noticed that ICW took the belt off of Casey Kirk and put it on Brandon Kirk. Nah, bro. I'm not watching that shit. Um, This is what I'm saying. Like, I don't know what the fuck y'all doing at all. Brandon Kirk ain't no fucking world champion or champion or heavyweight champion. Not not if you give a fuck about your company. There's nothing money about that dude. Not, Not a single fucking bit. She had a buzz. She had some shit going. You have a little few between, obviously, because she was calling herself, uh, whatever, Casey Cattell, like her maiden name instead, or whatever it is. Gimmick name. I don't know what the fuck it is. But, um, and, uh, you know, so you, you see they had the little build there, but for him to actually be take the belt off her, eh, not unless he's, like, the transitional guy where, like, only her husband knew her, you know, weaknesses and could beat her and then like the next month someone whooped his ass because he don't belong being the champion you know that makes sense to me but like he's gonna actually carry it and you're gonna like put book people to go up against brandon kirk in the main event nada nah and again you can do it it's your company i don't give a fuck about your money so you'll get that little dirty motherfucker aj in the front row with his father yeah i mean Cheetos on their hands and shit. Um, lotion. Um, Chris Rock special. Man, uh, this this was a good one, man. This was really good. And uh, I just, you know, he closed out, hit Will hard at Jada. And he had every fucking right to. I see so many angles of this shit now where it's like, some people, he went too far, too far. Are you fucking crazy? This guy, this guy walked on stage in an enormous moment being the host of the fucking Oscars and smacked this motherfucker on TV. Like, like he was one of his bitches, like, like a pimp, like just pimp slapped him. That... He's a comedian. That's what he's going to do. I I know my man Kel went to see him the following weekend thinking he was just going to unload on him right away. But that's not where the money was. The money was this. And he did it. And he executed it perfectly. It was great. I saw a quote today. Something Will said something like, oh, he needs to let it go. Let it go? Motherfucker, you needed to let it go when he fucking said words that weren't even that serious. 
He said some G.I. Jane shit, and you felt you need to get the fuck up there and get physical with a comedian. That's not normal shit, bruh. Let it go. You ain't the one. Again, some people ain't the one to do the fucking jobs they feel like they should be doing. Like, that. You know? That shit. That's wild. But he, he, he fucked him up, and he should have. And it was great, and I'm glad he did it. And now everybody can move the fuck on, and it is what it is. But Will had his fucking moment to do what he is. I think Jada is a toxic, toxic, just terrible person. That's how I feel about her. She's she's fucking terrible. And that's why all that shit happened. As far as I'm concerned, she ruined fucking Will's career. And what he was saying is, you know, when Will didn't get nominated for concussion. She got mad at Chris Rock because she wanted every black man to boycott the Oscars because she wanted her husband to be nominated for concussion. So obviously Chris's joke was then the motherfucker gave me a concussion. But um, the the thing is, is so you were upset that your husband's career wasn't getting the proper acknowledgement and recognition. So you, in turn created this narrative where Chris Rock was a problem for not standing behind your husband. However, in another moment, put your husband on film talking about you were sleeping with the other dude and he had to stand there, sit there looking sad as shit. Which was worse for your husband's image? Which was worse for your husband's image? And then add that, that you had him out there smacking people in, a, in a, a very, very terrible scenario, which, which did, did you really care about your husband's image? Or did you just want control over the narrative of the Oscars that year too? It's just, I don't know, some people are just toxic. There's just some people who are just not good people to be around or have in your life because they're going to cause chaos. They're going to lead you to do irrational things. They're going to have you doing things that, you know, you just normally just wouldn't have went to the level of. You would have, you would have thought better of, of yourself, of your decision. But instead, because of, you know, somebody else nudging you in that direction or just having that vibe that, like, yeah, that's, what we're, that's how we protect each other. We stand up for each other. Like, oh, wait a minute. I don't like this exchange. Because you think about it even in that aspect. You were attacking other black men and trying to strip their opportunities because you wanted them to stand behind your husband in saying that a black man didn't get his recognition for his accomplishments, for his, his filmmaking, for what he put out there. So in turn, other black men should lose their jobs because of that. So I, I don't know that I, I believe in your version of this movement at all. I, I don't. Um, yeah, I, I think that's bad. That's a bad way to go. Um, MJF is absolutely fucking killing it. He's um he's on another level. Again, like I, I've watched some of these different things, and I didn't even watch the, um, the pay-per-view, which I am going to watch that match um, because I know that those two tore it up. And, you know, people have confirmed that since, too. Uh, 
definitely want to fucking see that. But the afterwards thing he did with the fucking pickles and he's up there just ripping people apart and shit. The the commitment to his fucking gimmick and the way that he just just shuts people down. He's got a very, you know, Don Rickles-esque fucking just quick wit just fucking shuts people down. He doesn't even need to say too much in some situations. He just and he's one of those guys that you're not gonna catch him out there doing something completely contradictory to his gimmick. He just won't. And if he does, he's baiting you to drop the fucking hammer again back with his fucking gimmick. Like he's gonna be very successful in this business because he's got he's got a different level of heel dedication that I don't think we've seen for a very, very long time. Um he's just fucking really good. Um, yeah, and he's one of those guys that because of his promo ability and his ability to work heel, like, even after he slows down in the ring, because now he's, like, 26 years old, but you see 15 years down the road, if he has some significant injuries and had to recover from some shit and is hard, you know, to do all these, these other spots and stuff, he could slow his actual style down a bit and fucking continue his over-the-top heel shit, and it's just... He's he's set. He's absolutely set. I mean, that guy as a manager would make millions because of the, his commitment to the, that. You know, it's it's a long time since we've seen a heel play that heel to that extent, and and I think that that's it's needed. It's definitely needed. He can't do the next level, MJF. I think he could have higher profile matches. I was talking to my man Anthony Moose out the other day about this and. He was saying he needs to go to WWE. He can't have the matches he can have in AEW that he can have in WWE. And I agree, but I think that there's enough in AEW that he can build an incredible resume where he he gets all the top talent. They bring in guys to work them, you know, one-shot deals here and there. They got Omega. they um, they They got a lot of fucking talent there that they can bring in. And, um, you know, Kingston, they got, I mean, the list goes on and on. There's a lot of talent there. He's wrestled Jericho already. He had a hour match with Brian Danielson. I mean, you you go through what he can do there and the heel work that he can put on tape. This, to me, allows him to play out his contract. And when he goes to WWE, he main events coming in. He doesn't come in through NXT and have to work his way up and work a pro- He's a fucking name. He's solidified. And now he comes in making big money. He comes in making big, you know, matches and, and placements. And he's he, the type of guy that debuts at a, you know, Royal Rumble and match on Mania. You know what I mean? Like... That's that's what I think is is in the future for him doing what he's doing. Um, you know, someone who doesn't really have a future, I give a fuck about. Um, Corvus Fear. So I can't even fully quote like the whole thing or poster or any of that shit. But to summarize it, Sozio posted something, and he was just you know it was a lighthearted thing, but uh, he had some kind of like. Uh, you know, they take the blood out of you and then they spin it around and they put it back in your joints or whatever. It makes it feel better or regenerate or whatever the fuck it does. 
So he was having that thing done, and he just said, yeah, so I had uh, blood fucking shot back into my knee, you know. So this is what you got to look forward to, kids, you know, more or less like, and said, like, yeah, get out now. Like, you know, lighthearted, but in the same token, not really, because all these other fucking guys are just getting hurt left and right and not seeing the part where they have to actually function as a human and as an adult with children and a family. You know, oh, oh, your knee might not work so well, you know what I mean? Like, he just, you know, again, lighthearted, but also like a, hey, heads up, kids, like, this is the future. It, you know, not not a fucking thing in the world wrong with what he posted, you know. Um, and then Corvus Spear jumps in there, and he goes like, I've had... 1,800, whatever the fuck, like, he, he listed the exact number of matches that he had, and how many years he's been doing it, and I'm feeling just fine, and it's all about how you take care of yourself, and these guys need to really learn how to take care of themselves, and that's why, uh, and I just, like, it just rubbed me the wrong way, because fuck Corvus Fear, because that's why, because he's a fucking nobody, he's a fucking cosplay wrestler, that's what he is. He's a cosplay wrestler who made some friends in the business who apparently has some really cool ideas because I keep hearing about how great his mind is. So his mind's not smart enough not to bring fucking cosplay to the ring. Like, what's the plan? So you're going to fucking show up in the ring with fucking Batman symbols on your fucking gear like you're just, like, part of his crew, and then, like, what? You're going to get famous and have to fucking pay out, like, half of your fucking check just to wear a Batman symbol, or you're gonna have to wear, like, a version of the Batman symbol because you're the guy that wears the Batman symbol. Like, you're not gonna out-achieve Batman. So, wearing the fucking symbol on you, you're not gonna become that guy. What the fuck is that? What is that? You know what I mean? And then, then you're like, a couple of years later, you're like, I'm really into steampunk, so I'm gonna be a steampunk wrestler now. And it's like, not enough wrestling fans know what that is. You're a fucking nerd. That's what you are. You're a fucking cosplay wrestler. And then you're like, I'm going to cosplay in Sozio's gangster squad. So he fucking joins that shit. Now he's cosplaying as a fucking mobster. Like, no one gave a fuck about Corvus Spear's entire fucking career. So don't tell me that you have the blueprint on how to do it the right way. Because when people are actually striving for opportunities and, and like, working matches that, like, have high risk levels and shit. And sure, working a bunch of shitheads on the shindies is risky, but also keeping your, your matches pretty basic is also a lot safer than it would be if you're trying to work, I don't know, a fucking 60-minute match with Brian Danielson. <laughs> like, these are the guys that aren't going to avoid injury quite as well. The guys who are trying to fucking ascend CZW and being in the cage of death, trying to fucking excel their career that way. People who are in the fucking uh, best of LA fucking tournament or the best of the best or the fucking Ted Petty Invitational. You know, all these things that you haven't been in and no one's looking for you to be in and never, never, ever has. So that's why I'm like, you know what, dude, I don't fucking need to hear you telling everybody else after Sozio's trying to tell everybody, hey, kids, you know, take care of yourself. Kind of saying what you said, but just not in a way like I did it without getting hurt. So I'm just a guy like, go fuck yourself. And then he takes this super fucking victim road and he's like, 
I'm so sorry that something in your life is so terrible that you have to take people down and make them feel bad on the Internet. And it's like, well, first off, you put yourself out there at this beacon of health, and I just pointed out that the shit you were doing out there is not really com- comparable, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, go ahead. And then he goes, uh, yeah, so then after I, I made, like, a comment along those lines, and uh, he's like, I get it. No one respects me. No one likes me. I'm a total loser. And it's like, first off, I didn't say none of that shit. You're taking it to this other level. You're doing this fucking victim thing where I'm just a fucking crazy, terrible person who says bad things to you to hurt your feelings, even though you showed up on the post saying, well, I didn't get hurt. After someone said, hey, man, you're going to get hurt if you do this shit. You're kind of, you know, playing that devil's advocate. You're playing that, that contradictory to the post, so then when there's a little feedback, oh, you avoided injury all these years, but you can't avoid emotional injury for fucking two comments, can you? Because he ended up deleting the whole shit. He deleted his whole fucking comment and everything. So, like, this is what I'm talking about. And I didn't say all of that, because if you want to ask me, like, do I think anyone respects Corvus Fear? Absolutely, I think people respect Corvus Fear, and I'll list them. Um, Sozio respects Corvus Fear. He thinks he has a great mind for the business, and he considers him a friend, and, and he, he's worked with him a bunch. Um, most importantly in my mind, Fat Frank thinks he's fucking, he, he was the most underrated wrestler. If you go back and you listen to my podcast with Fat Frank, rest in peace, his guy, when I asked him who, who were the most underrated wrestlers, Corvus Fear, I believe, was the first name out of his mouth. He truly believed in him. He's the reason why he got to fucking be on cards that looked really fucking good and have average matches with a Batman symbol on his fucking gear. That's why. He always had the ability of an up-and-comer that never came up. And that's, that's, that's just blatant honesty. I'm not saying he was the worst fucking wrestler in the history, No. But every time I hear somebody going how great he is, I go, mm, I don't know about that. I don't know about great. That's crazy. I, I think that's a little silly calling great. I, I mean, a lot of times good wouldn't pass to me. You know? All right. At times. Spotty at times, you know? Um... But, you know, and that, that I would say Fat Frank highly respected him, and I think that's something that he should fucking, he should feel great about. I think he should feel great that the reason, the, the foundation, that everything that Jersey All-Pro was believed in Corvus Fear. And I think that, that, that he, that's all he should need. It shouldn't hurt his butthole so much when I say something on, on the fucking Facebook. But it does. And that's okay. Because if he needs someone to lick his butthole, the other person is Shannon. Shannon thinks that he's, she said in the past that Corvus Fear was peerless. He had no peers. He was too good. He was too good beyond any of the people he worked around. He was that good. He was so underrated. There's no one as good as Corvus Fear. These were things that Shannon has said in the past. So, again, if your butthole hurts over Facebook, Shannon can help you out. I'm sure, I'm sure you're aware. Just my view on it. Um, so fuck him, though, because 
again, the fucking victim mentality shit, when I just made a fucking Facebook comment, that's all I did. You, you, you fucking dodge injury, dodge a comment, motherfucker. Yeah, I mean, um, what else I got? I think that's about it, mostly. Oh, Sour Patch Kids. I want to talk about this shit real quick, because this shit is funny to me, because this is the type of shit that I, I still find, like, tremendous joy in, as far as, like, the internet banter stuff. Um, is Sour Patch Kids put out this terrible fucking ad campaign. See, I got I got some gripes with Sour Patch Kids, because I am, as I believe all consumers of Sour Patch Kids should be, am very favoriting of the Red Sour Patch Kid as the best Sour Patch Kid. Now, underneath the sour and sweet and all that, it's a fucking Swedish fish. I mean, let's get right down to it. That It has a candy all on its own, and now you put the fucking sour coating on it. It's fucking iconic. As far as I'm concerned, blue is poison. It's the fucking devil. No one should have blue fucking candy in their life. It's terrible. Blue fucking can blue is based on blue raspberry. I have a problem with that. There's no actual blue raspberry, so it's fucking. It's not a thing. So anyway, then they started putting out like single flavors. So they have like the peaches. Those are nice. The grapes are nice. Um, but they're also less sour, so they're not quite as authentic to the sour patch kid, right? But then they'll put out like all blues. But they won't put out the reds because they know I'll buy those fucking things. And they want you to go on their website where they customize boxes of fucking uh, Sour Patch Kids for like three times the price that they are in the store. And I'm not fucking stupid, so you're not going to find me doing that. But the ads fucking drive me fucking crazy on Facebook. So the one, they were trying to pitch this fucking this money grab that they do with the fucking flavors. You customize the flavors. You can put the name on the box, right? And then, you know, for like a disposable box for you to spend like like dollars, like multiple dollars. I'm not sure in the, the exact cost, but like five, six bucks most likely to add your name to a box that you're supposed to throw in the garbage when you're done with the candy. It's a cardboard box. It's not like a fucking... Uh, a lucite case that it come in it's not like there's no collectible value it won't be worth anything there's never been anything from sour batch kids that was worth anything other than the value of eating the fucking candy minus the blue ones right so they put out this fucking ad campaign and the 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 lady gets on there and she goes birthday cakes are so lame i got my kids this instead and they have a big fucking box with the kid's fucking name on it. So I just commented. I said, if you get your kids a box of candy instead of a birthday cake, you're a bad parent. And I just fucking left. And I just left it there. I've been getting fucking comments back on that comment. I had one the other day. That initial fucking comment I made was like seven or eight weeks ago. Because <laughs> it was like, cause I'm like, when the fuck did, and I was like, seven weeks, it says. And like someone is just fucking, because they're drilling this fucking ad into everybody. Like they're just never going to stop drilling this fucking ad to people. And somehow my comment just fucking reaches people's fucking feed. And it's funny, and people are like, you fucking waste fucking your time of your life getting on the internet and complaining about candy. And it's like, 
I just need to clarify something for anybody who thinks that um, making a comment on any particular topic in the world on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter or any any social media platform takes no time. I actually prefer to make my LOL comments at fucking people while I'm eating my breakfast laying in bed in the morning. So I have my fucking plate next to me. I'm eating. Phone's over there. I'm leaning on an elbow. Chewing half the time that I make these fucking comments. And I'm scrolling through and I'm like, look at this bullshit. And what do I want to say to this asshole? All right. And then I say some shit. And seven weeks later, it's like, you don't have anything better to do with your time. <laughs> it's like, bro, I was eating fucking breakfast. What else should I be doing while eating breakfast that would be such a valuable use of my time that I couldn't fucking be doing exactly what I'm doing? I could say the stupidest fucking most hurtful fucking things to somebody while eating my breakfast and accomplish more than, I mean, yo, like I finish eating my breakfast. All right, I'm going to go out and see the chickens. Fucking go out there. I grab the sprouts that I'm sprouting myself in my laundry room. I fucking put those in a paper towel, go out there, grab the keys, head out there, so I can throw them some sprouts, throw them some mealworms, tighten the ground up, over, especially over with the ducks where they're, they're at. You know, maybe I'll have to go out there and clean the whole fucking thing that day. I'll come back in the house, start some fucking laundry, fucking get this going, get that going, figure out what kind of projects I'm going to do for the day, um, check on the litter boxes, check on the, the cat's waters, I can do this, do that. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I got, I got so many different projects and shit that I got going on. I'm taking care of this fucking house on a regular basis. So, like, it's funny when I make these comments and then I just go about my day. And then sometimes I'll get, like, a minute to sit down and shit. And I'll look and this motherfucker is like, you're wasting all your time fucking complaining about candy. And it's like, <laughs> I forgot even saying that shit earlier. Jesus Christ. I, that's my favorite shit, when people tell you how much time you're wasting of your life on the internet with your fucking comments, when you could be, like, no. A lot of you motherfuckers, like, that say that shit, I immediately look at what you look like. That's what I do generally. I, I gotta click on your profile picture. If it's a, If it's something other than, like, an actual person, like, if it's, like, anything but you... I'm already like, fuck this person because you're not even talking to me from you. Um, but anyway, I, um, and, and I'll look and I'll be like, you couldn't handle what the fuck I do in a day for fucking sure. Like I get a fucking workout in, I might have to fucking rip the ground out, you know, and fucking turn over all the soil into that fucking pen, carry fucking bags of feed, fucking do this, you know, do all the dad stuff, cook dinner, fucking laundry, get all this shit done taking care of the cats all filming content for the fucking videos you know dude i mean bro i I just think this fucking internet shit is so funny when they try to re-identify what's actually going on in the conversation and how you're a terrible person because you have to do this and sink to this low of hurting people and shut the fuck up bro i ain't there ain't nothing invested into it other than what I think, you know, and the thing is, is too, you know, you learn when you start to, um, 
you know, rip yourself apart psychologically and figure out, you know, what's going on. And, you know, you start to see these different things and you go like, oh, you're like, they'll tell you the action isn't nearly as important as the way that the action is handled. You know what I mean? The reception of the action. So if someone does something to you, it's only as big as you make it. Because if you don't even hear them say that or if you pretend like you didn't even hear them say that, your day doesn't change at all. You can let that shit depress you and rage you, send you into such anger that you go and kill this motherfucker and spend the rest of your life in jail. Like, this, these are all choices you make based on you fucking seeing something come in and go, how do I handle that? You know? As far as I'm concerned, I can say whatever the fuck I want. It's up to you on how the fuck you're going to feel about it. That's that's not my problem, bro. Like, you shouldn't you shouldn't invest that heavily in what, what I'm saying. I don't see none of y'all motherfuckers. I don't see nobody but my family most days of the week, bro. So, there's there's not a lot of reason to be invested in a whole lot of shit I'm saying in a negative sense. Um, speaking of um, things I'm saying and things I'm doing, check out my YouTube. I launched my motherfucking YouTube finally. J Cats World, check that shit out. Um, you know, and, and I posted this thing on the, the the show page last time, and I mentioned it. You know, as far as the Venmo thing, I, I would really like people to start, you know, helping me out um, where they see where they see fit. You know, I do my best to provide entertainment, information. Um, you know, these type of things. This this show, I, I I'll reserve this show for this is where I come to just talk this this crazy shit. You know what I mean? Because the other thing's very family friendly. I'm gonna keep it on the up and up and do as much uh, useful advice and tips and just a, a glimpse into my world here. I love my world, so I want to show you, and hopefully you can enjoy it too. But, you know, I want people to be able to help me, you know, support my family, support me, and, um, you know, like I, I put the Venmo in the fucking thing in, in the description of this show, put the Venmo in the description of my YouTube. I try to keep it light, you know what I mean? I'm not one of these GoFundMe motherfuckers, but, again... You pay for entertainment. You pay for a lot of entertainment. This shit costs me $30 a month. I said this shit last time, last month or whatever, and I'm going to just be 100 about this shit. Because people give shout-outs to their fucking, you know, their supporters, their donors, all this shit all the time. So I'm going to give the fucking shout-out to the one and only person who who threw me something. And again, none but, nobody's obligated to do nothing for me because nobody's obligated to do anything because I, I'm a hard-working dude. I'm a dude that's, that's 21 fucking years, did my goddamn thing. I didn't ask anybody for shit. When I smoked cigarettes, fucking, I smoked cigarettes for 14 years. I've been, yeah, I, I quit smoking probably 20 years ago. That's how fucking long I've been living at this point. But, uh, but yeah, I, and when I had cigarettes, I wasn't a bum a cigarette kind of guy. You know what I mean? Even that would be too much of an ask. I don't want to take people's shit. Like, prepare myself for what the fuck I need. And don't ask, you know what I mean? And that's just what, where I come from with that, you know? But I feel like, again, I feel like some of the things I put out, some of the things that I do are worthy of support. And so I encourage support, for sure. I'm not begging, but I'm encouraging support. So, um, much, much love to my man Eric Williams, you know, um, threw, me, threw me something last, last show. Um, and that dude has been 
undyingly supportive of me since the very start. He's the reason why there's there's a Yakuza Kick radio. You know, I've said this before, and I, I'll say it every fucking time. If anybody forgets, let me know, and I'll remind you again. The reason why there's a Yakuza Kick radio is Eric Williams. Eric Williams just about forced a fucking podcast on me, and I'm still doing it over 10 years later. You know? Um, he believed in me from the start. He saw something in me. He saw something in whatever I was doing or the way that I talked or whatever the fuck. And he was like, you should have a podcast. And I didn't know what the fuck that even meant. So here we are. We went from doing the show together to me kicking him off the show to bashing him at one point because he was doing a show and stealing some of my shit. We, we didn't talk for a minute and then we fucking talked and everything's all good, you know? Other than his choice of sports teams. That's the only issue I got with this guy. I keep trying to tell him, man. Red is a better color. It's just a better color. You add the gold in there. You walk around looking like a champion all the time, bro. Like, you're just going to stay with that green shit. The green's mold. It's like mold. You know what I mean? It's just it's, it's not a good thing, man. And fly, eagles fly on the road. Like I told you before, once you get an eagle on the road, it's bad news, bro. They're not going to make it. They're just not going to make it. They're not meant to be on the fucking road. It's right in the song. That's where y'all want them. They belong in the fucking sky, bro. It's just it's just math. But, and science, matter of fact. Science and math. It's all this. It's everything. But all jokes aside, I love that fucking guy. He has been super supportive of me and um, just such a good dude. Um, so I appreciate that, man. It's, it's a small, it's a small thing, but it it means a lot to me because like I said, the one and only dude that did. And, um, yeah, man, it's just, it's appreciated. That's all I can say. Um, so yeah, much, much love to that dude. Um, maybe he'll be doing an Eagles podcast this next year because, you know, they got so close this year, but you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Uh, last up, let's talk about my cats because I had two situations go on that I want to, for all those who love my cat stories, I'm going to give you two. Um, so on the first sadder note, although it is a, it is a story of victory, um, Rico. Rico, I've had, uh, tough to say how long I've actually had him, but he spent five years in the shelter. Um, when he was in the shelter, um, he was very aggressive, um, not all the time angry aggressive, but he wouldn't hesitate to grab you immediately with his paws or his mouth, and he bit and grabbed hard. This guy, he was the strongest cat I've ever had in my care, and his his arms were big and thick. He had a body to match it, but even though he's, you know, before he really bulked up, um, he just... He had big, thick, strong arms. He'd reach out of that cage, and he'd grab you if you were too close, and he'd hook his toes in so his his nails immediately went in. And now you had to get, like, you couldn't just pull away because that would sink his claws deeper. So you had to, like, unhook your fingers. You had to more or less grab his paw with the other hand and try to free your fingers from his nails. Like, he really fucking grabbed you with intention. 
he bit a bunch of people while he was there. Uh, me and him bonded, you know. We, I took my bites and scratches and all that shit from him, and me and him bonded like I do with many cats. Um, so I, I knew his ins and outs, and we had such a great relationship because that's a lot of what, you know, cats' temperaments, um, behavioral differences and stuff, all that comes back to you learning them. You know, people will learn the ins and outs with dogs all the time. They'll they'll go in and go, oh, my dog doesn't like guys with hats when you walk in. Take your hat off. My guy. I've had multiple people say shit like that when I've gone to their houses when I was younger. Oh, my, you know, he doesn't like, you know, wear hats. So if you could just take your hat off before we go in, like, you're doing shit like that. But, like, people don't realize, like, oh, my cat loves to be pet, but he just doesn't like his tail touched. And if you do, he's going to spin around and fucking nail you. All you have to do is go, like, hey, man, just just pet him on the head. You know, like shit like that. That would change a cat's entire life outcome if someone understood that. There are cats in shelters right now that have these little tiny quirks that will get fucking thrown into outside living situations or killed in a shelter because no one is willing to understand and accept this little quirk that this animal has. It just makes them them. That's their personality. That's who they are. And when you learn to work with that, they become your best friend. Now you just know the thing that bothers them that they just don't like. And they start to learn the things that you don't like. And they start to learn the times that you get up. And, they t- and now you have this bonded relationship where you're just part of each other's lives. You know, we deal with so much shit from so many other people, for starters. And then dogs and other things that are allowed to have these personality traits where cats so often are just lumped into this fucking generalization of cats are cats. So if you're cats, you know, if you've seen a cat, you've seen a cat. Oh, it's just a cat. Bullshit. So anyway, Rico spent lots of years there, five years there, and he got massive because I couldn't get him out of a cage. Um, I don't mean like physically couldn't get him out of a cage, but I couldn't get him to live in my free roaming area because he wouldn't get along with other cats. He'd go nose-to-nose with him. He'd make, like, um, almost no noise, and he'd usually try to attack. One time, um, I tried to get him out into roaming, and it seemed like it was actually working well. Because when I would go one-on-one with cats, it wasn't going too well. But as years went, I was, you know, I would always explore what is the best thing that I can do to better the situation for this cat. How can I um, expand his horizons? How can I continue to push the boundaries? I always made sure that the more time that the animal spent in the shelter, the more enrichment, the more, um, the more progress that we made over that amount of time. So that cat might have spent two years or three years or four. Whatever it spent in the shelter, it also spent learning things and building on its personality and taking down some of those insecurities and building its confidence. Now, in a shelter, there are a lot of limitations of that because it's still a shelter. It's still concrete and metal. There's still the sound of barking dogs echoing through the walls. There's still a lot of things that that stand in the way of these cats making the progress they deserve to make. But we did a hell of a job doing it. And um, that's why foster homes are so important. And if anyone can help, please contact me. Um, and I, I have ten cats there that I've made promises to that I need out. Um, and all I need someone to do is help is one, and I need someone else to help with one. And I need to, you know, it's one at a time. Don't ever look at the the whole number as something you need to solve. That's not that's not how this animal thing works. It's one at a time, and every one of them matters. You really have to invest.
time and effort to make this shit work. So anyway, uh, Rico, I tried to put out in roaming at one point. It's a roaming area with a bunch of cats, which, uh, by the way, right now is, is completely empty. Uh, so do, do with that information what you will. Um, you, you think about that. But anyway, um, uh, roaming area has a bunch of cats in it. And uh, they're all tested for feline AIDS leukemia and stool checked before they go out there so they're not spreading any diseases or parasites or anything like that. Um, tried to put him out there. Uh, seemingly was doing very well. He was like, he wasn't really challenging other cats. He was pretty laid back. And I was like, great, this is going to work. Within a week, bam, his gums, his ears, all that shit, yellow. He's going through liver failure. And the reason for that is it can be brought on in stressful situations where they go into fatty liver. Well, that can be reversed if the reason for the fatty liver was a stressful situation that you can remove. So it's not quite as easy as what I just said because in order to do that, because now when they go into the fatty liver and the gums have turned yellow, the skin has turned yellow, you now, you don't have any eating going on. They're not going to eat. Their organs are going to shut down and they're going to die unless you consistently keep... um, you keep denimarin, which is a, a supplement that flushes toxins out of the liver. So you do that while you also have to completely support the cat's way of living. So I would force feed the cat every day um, the, the big, thick syringes, and you would force feed the cat, um, try to go for 10 syringes a day, because that's about the equivalent of a can of prescription diet um, made for that kind of recovery, and that would be about 10 of these really big syringes. Um, and if you got that in them a day, you know, you'd be pretty safe. You know, you'd be safe in saying this cat's going to make it because he's got enough nutrition in his body to get through. That's like the, the target is 10. So the closer you can get to that, the better. Obviously, day to day, it varies because you're doing this on a cat who's not wanting you to do this. And I just told you who this cat is and what he does. I had to force feed him for over a month. I also had to give him... Um, um, IV fluids every day, too. Um, I would give him appetite stimulant every three days, hoping that he would kick in and eat, and eventually, after about a month of force feeding, he did. And he lived, and he continued to live in the shelter. (laughs) So uh, he he battled back, and he was perfectly healthy, other than being very, very overweight. He ended up being 26 pounds. So then it became Rico was just the cat in the cage that all the families would gather around and say, come look at the fat cat. And then they'd walk away and go about their lives. And, you know, that's that was Rico's life for a long time. Well, at the time, my mom was still living here and um, we were we had fostered a cat and uh, we fostered the cat and we brought the cat back when we felt like she was um better like as far as her interaction we just kind of wanted to learn a little bit of how she acted in a home and the other cats took really well to her and we brought her back and then she got a home so we brought another one home to to foster so when i had the other one to foster and there was never any intention to keep them and at the time i felt like my mother wasn't going to allow me to bring another cat into the house we you know had multiple cats and everything and um she was like I was bringing her back, and she's like, oh, I thought we were keeping her. And I was like, oh, no, she was a foster. But when she said that, I saw an avenue, and I was like, oh, well, the next one is the one I'm going to keep because she didn't seem to take that too bad if we were. 
So Rico was the answer. So Rico, obviously, with me having multiple cats, the plan was for him to go from his cage that was, you know, whatever, three foot by three foot, whatever little cage space he's in, or two foot by two foot, I'd say that cage was, for five years. He then went into an entire bedroom with my daughter, Mary Jane. And that's that would be his life. That would be where he lived. And, you know, people don't understand that how ideal that can be for a cat. That can be a universe for a cat because it's a perfectly controlled environment that can cater to their likes, their dislikes, their wants, their needs. And that that cat can be the perfect companion for the person that lives in that room. As they come and they go, that can be their place. So many cats need that simplified environment in order to thrive. The shy cats that can't handle a big giant house, the, the um, ones that have a little bit of aggression problems or stuff that need their alone time to just be away from everything for large chunks of the day. These things were great. So we did it with Rico. He ended up being my daughter's best friend. And, I mean, went from a young girl's best friend to her now being a woman and still being her best friend. Well, a couple weeks ago, we, we were out at the store, and um, we got a call from Mary Jane that Rico couldn't, he couldn't use his back legs. He couldn't get up. And uh, we came home. We, we kind of knew what it might be because we're both in the animal fields and Nina being, you know, in the um, emergency animal field, she's seen this many a times. And it was saddle thrombus, as we expected, which is something that just comes suddenly and more or less paralyzes very painfully paralyzes the back end of your animal um it also threw him into um uh, advanced heart failure um so his lungs were filling up with fluid um it was immediate time when just hours early he was perfectly fine the day before he was fine so i mean you could just imagine the trauma you know that's that's so hard you know to just be out of nowhere that way and especially for merit to lose her best friend you know and that that's a lot now you know so we had to put him to sleep we you know nina brought him up to the um her her work you know and they checked him out they you know identified all the things that were as expected and you know feared and um, so we had to make that decision. And um, it left a massive hole, and this avenue opened that I didn't have before. And this avenue opened for Felix. You know, it was 11 cats, and now it's 10. And 11 cats in that place I made promises to, and cats that I, I don't know make it out of that place in the best way unless I'm able to, to be the one that makes that move and, you know, or, or gets them a home or finds them a foster or, you know, and my limit is set, you know, I'm good. I'm, I'm not, you know, people might hear that I have eight cats and be like, Oh my God. But look, man, I, I worked at a shelter for 21 years. I've seen countless hoarding situations. I've seen countless cats that were turned in because they had too many or, or couldn't handle it. So what I handle and what I do 
is different than what your average person would do, and I would never become part of the problem because it all means way too much to me. So it's different. You know, you really have to pay, like, closer attention to my story if you just hear a number and that startles you. You know what I mean? Um, so Felix, Felix was um, the roaming area leader. He was the king of roaming. He would go out out there. Like, if, if any person walked in there, he immediately ran from wherever he was, came jumping down from the loft, wherever he was. Felix would come and check you out. And if he didn't like you or you reached for him too soon, he was fucking you up. And that's just who Felix was. Me and Felix bonded really well, and I always told him, bro, I can't take you, man. I know exactly how to have you. I know exactly how to work with you. And we're cool as shit, but I can't take you. You got to chill out. And he just wouldn't. He just, he, he was who he was. And he was the only cat left in that roaming area. That roaming area had a 25-cat capacity. And, uh... Yeah, you can see all the videos of me walking in there with Christmas boxes and all of that stuff and cats surrounding me. That that area is empty right now. Um, Felix was the last cat in there, and he was the last cat in there with a long fucking bite record. And he just attacked a volunteer like two weeks ago, too. There's a lot of discussions that are happening right now that I don't get the opportunity to be part of. I don't have any power or pull anymore from where I stand. Other than I got to manage, you know, what I say and do until the time is right. But um, at the moment, I have access to be able to foster cats. I can still um, speak for cats and, and, and be able to try to network and find cats, find, find fosters for the specific cats that I'm, I'm thinking of. But Felix was in a dangerous position because he had a long bite record. He was the only cat in a room that would otherwise be empty, and he didn't have nothing but fans. He had a lot of people that would talk about Felix as the tough part of Felix. Oh, Felix. Oh, watch out for Felix. And, you know, you say those type of things in the wrong crowds too much, it becomes very, very dangerous in the shelter world. It just does. I knew Felix was in trouble. But when this... this avenue presented itself with us losing rico who meant so much to us it seemed like there was no way i could deny felix this opportunity because he needed the same thing that rico did he needed a room he could be solo he needed a room he could fucking just hang out in and not be bothered by anybody spent a lot of alone time and bond with mayor and let me tell you he's been home a couple weeks now two weeks he is bonded with Mare so beautifully. It's it's everything, like, to send videos to people that know him from work of what he's like now, it's, they're just dropping their jaws. They can't understand, like, how is this guy so comfortable now that we had to fear, we had to watch out for it? Because there's more to know, there's more to understand about cats than what's on the surface. And, and a lot of people only judge it by that, and unfortunately... A lot of the people that are judging it like that are the people who are in charge of what goes on with their lives going forward. So things like that need to change. And um, I'm going to do my best to try to spread my knowledge and provide more education. I'm going to try to build this, this YouTube brand of mine and and try to to go viral. I want to go viral. I want the, I, I want 
people across the country to be looking at me for cats advice to keep people to be looking at me for advice on how to work with cats to extend cats lives to to bring cats out of a shelter into a home that otherwise would normally be thrown outside or euthanized i want to open avenues for cats that didn't exist before because i know myself in the shelter that i've worked in for 21 years that i'm technically still employed by uh i know i changed what the word adoptable means in that building while i was there and i know that can happen across this country millions of cats are dying on a regular basis so i i take that personally and um you know this is my life's work this is what i'm i'm here for and uh i'm just going to keep pushing keep living this beautiful life as much as i can i keep doing everything i can to the fullest extent and um yeah man please you know think about supporting me if possible if you know if you can't you can't i am not begging i'm not obligating i'm not demanding anything but if you're out there paying for entertainment you're out there paying some jerk off to watch this little bullshit thing you're watching this little thing and watching that little thing consider me one of those things throw me a couple bucks man anything helps love you guys uh i'll check you motherfuckers out whenever i do this again which i really you know I'm not helping myself as far as doing this because uh, it's a it's a whole different lane of content, and I'm trying to more or less push a lot of this shit talking negative stuff out of my brain. <laughs> so, um, you know, but no, I I'm always gonna have this part that just wants to pull apart this unrealistic bullshit that goes on in this little world over here, because to me it's uh it's silly. And it's uh it, it's a form of entertainment as it stands. So, but yeah, man, I, I'll check you motherfuckers out when I check y'all out. And uh, hit me up. I'm here. Peace. Talk to y'all later. Have a nice night. Stay dry. It's raining again. I'm tired of rain. Makes my grass green. I won't complain about that. That's all I gotta say. I'm out of here. I love all of y'all and, uh, shit. You're all a bunch of fucking assholes. You've been in the gym, bro. You know why? DJ Hyde, fuck you. You don't have the guts to be what you want to be. You need people like me. I'll listen to your, to your podcast and I'll find everything out. You know what I mean? You need people like me so you can point your fucking fingers and say, that's the bad guy. So, what I make you? Good. Like, Jesus tell me, tells me all the time to listen to what you got to say because you be blazing people. And I'm like, well, I got to hear it now. <laughs> you just know how to hide it. Me, I don't have that problem. Me, I always tell a truth, even when I lie. The Juza Kid Radio. Jesus! So say good night to the bad guy.
I'm going to tell you something straight off the motherfucking breath. I ain't coming for no food. With the Lucky Land Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> 